Welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. How have you been? I am grand. I I thought I'd do something differently for you this week. This this new being this this is a the Wednesday release and we have new bands. We've had some fantastic new bands and, and quite a few more to come. I've got a couple really interesting ones lined up for you. Uh, I just thought I would give you just a really short insight into why I why I'm doing music on a Wednesday. So you might not be aware, but you probably are because I've dropped it into conversations quite a few times. But I've I've been in quite a few bands over over my period of time, and um, over my period of time that sounds mental. Um, I was chatting with my sister the other day. She, they came down from Scotland, and I just mentioned to her, "Have you got that? You got that CD with all my music on it?" So basically, I would say probably about the, about period of three years where I was just making music after I'd left a band and she said which one's that which band is that uh Dr Pop is that the Jump Pilots is that Young Adult Faction all these other bands that I was in and we we kind of like laugh because it just the the amount of bands that I've been in or tried to make it in one form or another and I thought well I've got material that I really I really like I really love it I'm not you know blow my own trumpet whatever and I'd just like you to experience a bit of it because I think it give you a little bit more of an insight into where I'm where I'm coming from and why I'm doing what I'm doing and I want I want to start by talking about twisting which is the, the song that opens up the show So that I would say is I, I'm most one probably the most proudest of in all my songs I've written over the years and I've written quite a lot. You wouldn't be aware of that because I don't like to I don't like I don't like to talk about it too much. I do like to talk about it with my guests and drop it in, but I don't like to talk about it too much because it's just a little bit too how do you do it? say it British? It's too it, very British. Just sit down, be quiet, listen to others talk, but you don't talk about yourself. But in this instance, I just thought I'd, I'd break the mould uh, that I've created for myself. So Twisting is a, a song that I wrote um, in a flurry. We were in a practice studio. My band, I, I guess I would have been in my late, late, uh, late 20s. And we were in a studio. I was massively um, inspired by the Ramones. KKK took my baby away at the time. And this song just came out. I was just pounding like at my guitar, um, power chord of C, I think. And and this melody just came out of nowhere. Uh, and it the whole song wrote itself within about the first, within 15 minutes. And being in that studio with those guys, those musicians, probably, I think at the time it would have been my mate PP on drums, Mark Pian on bass, 
uh, Luke Williams on guitar and me on on uh, second guitar. And I and the electricity in that room, I will never forget. I don't think I've had that many times. And I know I've spoken about that before on the show. And the, the, what I what do I mean by electricity? What I mean is, a, is when you all bounce off each other and you realise something's happening, which doesn't happen a lot. It doesn't happen a lot to people that aren't successful musicians, basically, you know, because you, you hear like maybe professional musicians that have come, come the distance and, and been in a rehearsal studio when it's all come together. And I'm sure they've, they've had that quite a few times. I mean, I hear about Tom Petty writing, uh, I won't back down on his in his car on the way to a rehearsal with the band. And he knew that the band were really, they were getting anxious for material. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, I've got this. And he just literally had it humming in his head on the way to the car. He wrote, I won't back down. So there's, you know, he would have felt that chemistry on his own. But it, it, I think personally, it's more, it's even more profound when you're with other people and that happens. So twisting for me was unique. And I remember the next day we recorded it on, our, on, on my phone. And I ran into work and showed this other guy who was a, a, a fellow musician as well. And we were all gardeners at the time, working for this piece of shit gardening company. And we were all just freezing cold and miserable. And we ran in the morning. It was pitch, pitch dark, winter. And we've got this, we've got this song, we've got this song. It's, it's amazing. We absolutely love it. And for the first time in my life, I think, up to that point, I, we played it on, on my phone to this mate who hadn't been there. And his face lit up. He was like, bloody hell, that's a great one. And... It really it just, it really blew my tits off to know that I could do that. I, I've tried various stages to try and get that song off the ground and 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 and, and tour it or or play you know take it live and and what have you. And it's never really never really panned out that way for me. Music, it just it never has. I think I've got a one of those voices that is, um, it's a very good backing backing voice like uh, harmonies and what have you not necessarily your standout voice um maybe i'm doing myself a disservice i don't know but there are songs that i'm, I'm just going to talk about over the next few minutes um that, that i think are a pretty good example of what um you know i i would consider all right and worth a listen i was in a band called so at the time yeah sorry that band was called dad's dance best I think that's my most recent projects. I haven't done any live, anything live for a good eight years now, save for playing, playing in a wedding. Can't You can't play original songs at a wedding. Sends the wrong vibe. Um, so I was in a band called the DIY Cravings for about three years, I would say, when I was about, was about 2002 to 2005, when that sort of the cribs won the up and all that freaking awesome... What do you? Well, I suppose you call it sort of in the in the movement of indie music around the time. So eighties Matchbox, Beeline Disaster, the Libertines, as I said, the Cribs and what have you. Um, oh, so many fucking bands! It's it's insane. It, there's a, a it, it's it's impossible to list them all. But my mate Alex, who I was in a band with, was a huge influence on me. He wrote some fantastic songs, and one of them is called Flags. <laughs> Yeah. 
So this this song is for me a song that I I I think is out of keeping with the time that it was written. I think this was probably written around 2003, perhaps. And you can you know the harmonica intro, the is is <laughs> you just didn't have harmonicas back in those early days. You know the rock and roll revolution. Um, it's it's a huge epic song, and I still remember recording it now. And listening back to it when it was coming off the mixing desk and just being profoundly moved by the volume, the the, the sonic weight of the guitars and the drums when it when they when they come in proper, and and it's also just a fantastic fun song. Um, and I, I I don't know I don't know why these songs are so special to me. Um, I, I I think it's because when you are in a band that you know isn't a hundred percent great. It's not, we're not, maybe you're not going to make it. You can fool yourself most of the time. But for me, this song is definitely, of that era, the most special because I think that is a song that I personally felt deserved attention. I did a lot of blagging back in those days. I did an awful lot of blagging and and trying, and I stood outside Radio 1 for literally six hours watching DJs come in and out. And as they came out, I'd, Jump, jump, jump up and go. CD demo, please. I think Marianne Hobbs. I got one too, who was adorable. But the the one person that I remember was the lo- the loveliest was Zane Lowe. He never played it, never played it. And looking back on it, he was probably just okay. Yeah, sure, man. You know, yeah, whatever. I'll play it. It's, it's, yeah, security. Um, but. It, I, I felt profound, profoundly proud of those songs, enough to go up to London and just go, yeah, okay, I'm just going to hound these people. Um, Steve Lamack, I actually bumped into randomly at the Buffalo Bar in Islington when the DIY Cravings were probably a year and a half in into their, uh, I don't know, their existence. And I'd been hounding him, like emailing him, going, please play our music, please play our music. And he finally... Finally played it eventually because he's he turned around to me and said, You're that fucking guy. Stop fucking emailing me. But he, he was he meant it. It was intense. I don't know what I was expecting him to be like, but he was in, and, and rightly so. Rightly so. He was pissed. Stop fucking emailing me. Stop stop emailing me, man. And that was funny, but he did eventually play us. I think it was like two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday on a Tuesday morning or something. It was like, yeah, right, I've played it now, fuck off. Um, and I remember standing up uh, in my in my living room, having it on uh, having it on the telly or something, like on the uh, digital, terrestrial, and being like, oh, they've played us, they've played us. 2 a.m., right, I'll go to bed now. Um, and then there was, there's, there's quite a, a funny story with another song that we uh, the band had called... Um, this town, I love this town. It again, like it's really raw. It's a really raw vocal performance from Alex.
I love it because it sums up so much of those those days when you are trying desperately to make it. The desperation isn't quite as keen then because you're young and you don't think that it can ever really get desperate. You don't you don't you're not thinking like fuck me I'm going to be begging A&R men to come and see us. I'm going to be begging promoters to put us on you know we'll we'll be paying promoters to to gig and all that kind of crap you're just in the early days you are just so arrogant and you would believe in your own material so much and this town was a crack in the door for us because i did something quite weird but reasonably clever i want to say i don't know I basically I used to listen to Bob Harris a lot on Radio 2 when I was pot washing in a pub, my local pub in, the, in my local village. And I used to love his show. So the, after my shift, it was, his show would st- still be on. I'd go home and I'd listen to it, um, do some emailing, what have you. And I, I just thought, fuck it. I'm never going to... What's going on here? We're never going to get anywhere. This it, It's starting to kick in, you know, that kind of... Jesus, it's quite competitive, this music business. And I emailed the show pretending to be... Coldplay's manager and I think I was just bored and pissing around emailed him going blah blah blah, blah. Um, the the boys and I were all listening in loving the show got an email back saying brilliant phone in okay so I phoned in and I just had a chat with the producer on the show pretending to be the uh, the manager of Coldplay anyway Bob sent me his email address this is also weird uh he sent me sent me his email address and we managed to sort of strike up this really weird friendship uh where i su- asked him could you suggest any bands bob to the for coldplay to tour with and he suggested a couple and i said oh, that's interesting an interest of back and forth have you heard of a band called the diy cravings so uh, he, he said oh you know i'll send you i said to him I'll send you a demo, see what you think. I'd love to know what you think. We we really love these guys, kind of thing. We're thinking of having them on tour with us. <laughs> you've got this song, obviously. You've listened You've listened to some of it, but it's, yeah, come on. Coldplay, I'm going to... Coldplay, I'm going to tour with the DIY Cravings. Anyway, it was hysterical because before I knew it, he was playing our music on Radio 2 on a very regular basis. Now, there wasn't, so, there wasn't social media like there is now, so it was kind of like you were just kind of hoping that people would pick up on it um which they, they didn't fine they didn't do it but it was completely mad what what got even more insane was when i was at guildford festival about a year later maybe six months later what have you i was pissed off my face blagged it backstage walked past the security guard the organizer of the festival was like oh well how's it going and um he intri- he, he said, you know, i said is bob harris around he said yeah 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 Knocked on his door, this fancy studio, you know, mobile, state-of-the-art radio, radio 2 recording um, unit. And out comes Bob Harris, red-cheeked, rosy-faced. I couldn't believe it. Oh, my God. Pretty drunk, I must say. But I can still remember it. The adrenaline started pounding. And before I know it, he's like, oh, so um, you're going to do an um, interview with me then? Yeah? It's like, uh, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, please. Yes, but what? Okay, so I stumble, stumble, and I must emphasize how pissed I was. I mean, I could barely talk. I was really, really shit faced. So we went into the studio, this mobile studio, and Bob's just 
clicks on to professional mode, starts interviewing me, and I I think my adrenaline sobered me up somewhat. And 15, 15 minute interview edited down to about an eight minute interview went out two weeks later on Radio 2. It was completely mental. Um, and that's all because I just blagged in a very bizarre way, but it works. And the song that he he would play was This Town. And that's what um that's what means the most to me, I think. Well that 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 era, that very strange six months where it could have gone either way. We got a little bit of interest in and around that time as well. Not because of Bob's Bob supporting us, you know. And another thing, it was a very standout song. It was the only song that he really played on his show that actually was slightly different um and exciting of, of that era of that time when there was so much exciting music around but yeah and, and I guess also he played it after my dad died I, I sort of emailed him saying you know my, my father died I hope you know blah blah blah. it's been a really crap time for me and what have you I was just checking in with him really anyway uh, that weekend he, pl- he played the song and just said that that one's for Will and I broke down and I had a big cry and it, it was um it was quite something and it is, it's pretty hard for me at the moment thinking about that because I'm doing a lot of writing about my life and I've been writing a lot about my dad and it's actually really quite painful and it's very traumatic to, to, to write, to be writing in such depth about it. And I started thinking about those early days of DIY cravings and being in bands and what have you. But yeah, and God, it's, 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 it's a mad time to be 38 and reflecting on those, those times. Not long to go. All right, we've, we've hit 16 minutes, so we'll probably do another four or five minutes of me yabbering on. But another song that is quite uh, ingrained in the, or two or three songs that are ingrained in the Limehouse podcast would be I Want You Around, which is the kind of Simon and garfunkel Vampire Weekend song. So yeah, that that is. It, I love this song. I wrote it. One. I want. I wanted this to be like a Liam Lynch. Liam Lynch song, like my United States of America. You know, my United States of whatever. And I, I, I kind. I think in a vocal performance, this is one of my better ones because I think it's a little bit eccentric, and I'm trying to accentuate what it is to be a young, profoundly daft, slightly moronic. Um, in love teenager I guess reflecting on what it was like to be have a first love with with a girl and and then you grow up with that girl and then turns out that you know it isn't always going to be that way they're not always going to they're not always going to love you 
Um, and it doesn't always pan out. And I really love that song. And my mate Paul loves it as well. And and, and that's um, often a thing, isn't it, when you're a songwriter that, that hasn't really ever, ever had any success. But you have success in the terms of your one or two mates liking it or, or even your grandmother going, oh, it's a lovely little jingle that is, Will. What, what was that, darling? Yeah. And... Yeah, Paul loved that song. He absolutely loved it. And it always means a lot to me that, that he, he always wants to play that song whenever we jam, which is very infrequently. But when we do, that song always comes out. And I, I like it. It's got one of those exceptionally hooky intros. But yeah, I don't know where it came from. Again, like, I don't know where that, that song came from. Just a really easy riff. I think you've got to be really, you've got to be it's simple. You've got to be simple. You, you can't dick around. Don't bore us, get to the chorus. As Tom Petty said. Yeah, I suppose like another another song that I'm reasonably well not reasonably I'm kind of proud of most of my songs. I've, I've, I can't I can't lie. Is the the demo version of a band that I used to be in called Young Adult Faction. There's a demo version that I play at the end of every podcast called the Dead Dad Gang or just Dead Dad Gang, and it's a yeah. I've tried my best to kind of master it. <laughs> so it doesn't sound absolutely appalling because the quality, the quality isn't great but but that song it, it means the world to me i've spoken about it when i spoke with shoshana not so long ago shoshana mitchell which was a, an, an intense episode and we spoke about the profound nature of feeling like you're in a rather i don't know bleak but special group of people that have lost a family member and that's where that song came from. play that live and we were a very tight band we weren't the great we were you know we didn't have like hits or anything but we were a very tight band when we used to play that song live it was very hard hitting and very hard for me to to play but there are lyrics in it that are sort of you know do you remember all the holidays can you see now how it's all changed and and that 
I'm not just, you know, that is very hard for me to talk about. And what do I mean about all the holidays, all the family holidays? It's all the family holidays we used to go on. And that profound sense of when that is broken for the first time. And I'm not saying that fade, the lovely sense of it fading is, is, is wonderful. When you're a child, you go on these holidays and they slowly stop. You, you meet people, you meet other mates and the family holidays disappear, but they do it. It's in a healthy, nice way, a rightful passage. This, this was cut short brutally. And it was a profound darkness that came over my family. And particularly in that time when I was actually in the DIY cravings, as I was speaking about earlier, that those guys never supported me that in that band. And no, no, none of my friends really did. They didn't know what to do. And so bringing this song to the, the rehearsal studio in, gosh, I'd say about 10, maybe not 10 years, but sort of six or seven years after my dad had died, no one ever asked me about the lyrics. No one ever asked me about the song. And and I and I think it's that 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 to me is actually quite sad. You know that, that those members of of my band never actually took me to one side and, and asked me how I'm doing and what what's the meaning of this song or or anybody come to think of it. So yeah, it's an important song to me. It really means an awful lot. And there you go. But. There are, there are other songs out there, you know, and there's, some of them are on, um, most of them, all of these are on SoundCloud. Uh, you can just type in to SoundCloud, Dead Dad Gang. I'll probably post a few of them on Twitter and what have you, so you can give them a little bit more of a listen. Um, but yeah, thanks for bearing with me. I, I, I just wanted to put something out this Wednesday to give you an idea of um, where I'm coming from. I'm writing a lot more about my days and years of of being in bands because like I said I've been in a few and I've got oh my god a hell of a lot of stories including when we just went to New York and it all went very wrong but very right at the same time um and yeah I, I hope it gives you an indication of where where I'm coming from and yeah feel free to check them out and I'll be seeing you soon I think we'll have uh what's his name on the show this week this Sunday Guy Pratt the wonderful Guy Pratt, who has, I mean, just one thing he's done is toured with Pink Floyd for a long time. That's just one of the things. Delicate Sound of Thunder album, check it out. He played bass on that. His, he's got a book out, it's insane. It's, it's hysterical and a memoir, of, a memoir of just endless debauchery from one hangover to the next. And how he managed to like circumnavigate all that as his career is extraordinary. But yeah, do look after yourself. Um, sorry if you found this boring and a little bit too. It's it's hard. It's hard being. It's hard being me, man. You don't know. You just don't know. It's it's hard knowing that you want to. There's a reason that I put my music at the front of the show. One, it's free, and two, because I'm proud of it and I want to talk about it. But it's hard, isn't it? Because you don't want to toot your own horn. But anyway, thanks for your time, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care now. Bye-bye.